Welcome to Under the Bleachers. This is a podcast that explores all things sports, all things queer, and the fabulous intersection where queer and sports meet. This podcast is brought to you by Team DC, the nonprofit association of LGBTQ sports and recreation organizations in the Washington, D.C. area. I'm Laura. I'm on the board of Team DC. I've played and loved sports my entire life, and I've played with the DC Furies and Rogue Darts. And I'm Gabe. I'm also on the board of Team DC and I'm a diehard sports fan. I play with many of the Team DC sports member leagues, including the DC GFFL, Stonewall Kickball, Rogue Darts, Kara Bowling, and recently the Washington Scandals Rugby Football Club. And I also do a little drag on the side. We hope you enjoy this week's trip under the bleachers. Welcome, everyone. Laura and Gabe here. It's August 3rd, and you are listening to Episode 7 of Under the Bleachers. This week, it's Laura's turn to choose our topics. For our discussion of all things queer, she chose the GLAAD Media Awards. For our conversations on all things sports, we're talking about the new Nike commercial. And for the intersection of sports and queer, we'll discuss U.S. women's soccer star Megan Rapinoe's new talk show. After that, we're going to share our interview with the Atlantic States Gay Rodeo Association. But first, it's time for our Team DC update. Team DC recently announced that, unfortunately, this year's Fall Sports Fest is being canceled due to coronavirus concerns. But in better news, Team DC also announced that its Challenge Cup event will be going forward. The event will be virtual this year, so instead of beer pong, darts, and Mario Kart, teams will be competing in games like charades, celebrity name game, pyramid, and solving puzzles for points. It should still be a great time, so mark your calendars for the event, which will be held October 17th. As for us, Laura and I will keep bringing you new episodes of Under the Bleachers every Monday at underthebleachers.podbean.com and just about anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you have a favorite podcast player and you can't find us, drop us a line at podcast at teamdc.org and we'll get you hooked up. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Taking the extra few seconds to hit the buttons or type a quick review means a lot to us to get the word out, so please do that. And share us with a friend or two if you know people that would be interested in listening in. And now, here's Laura with our first topic in this week's trip, Under the Bleachers. All right, my my topic for the world of all things queer this week is the GLAAD Media Awards. GLAAD was formed in 1985 and was known as the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. The organization was originally formed to protest against what it saw as the New York Post's defamatory and sensationalized AIDS coverage. From the outset, GLAAD worked hard at its mission, putting pressure on media organizations to end what it saw as homophobic reporting. In 2013, GLAAD announced that it had formally dropped the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation from their name and would now be known only as GLAAD. They did this to reflect their work more accurately because the name change was a commitment to incorporate bisexual and transgender people in their efforts to support the LGBT community in its entirety. Today, GLAAD works in many areas and is dedicated to promoting and ensuring fair, accurate, and inclusive representation of individuals and events in all media as a means of eliminating homophobia and discrimination based on gender identity and sexual orientation. Every year, GLAAD celebrates the GLAAD Media Awards, and this year's awards were awarded this past week. The event, the 31st annual one, went virtual this year and was live-streamed on Facebook and YouTube. If you missed it, it will also be broadcast tonight, Monday, August 3rd, at 8 p.m. Eastern on Logo. 
The GLAD Media Awards is an accolade bestowed by GLAD to recognize and honor various branches of the media for their outstanding representations of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community and the issues that affect their lives. In addition to film and television, the awards also recognize achievements in other branches of the media and arts, including theater, music, journalism, and advertising. This year's award ceremony featured some great content. First off, the incomparable Shay Diamond performed We Are America, the theme song from one of our favorite shows, We're Here, and it was amazing. The winners featured in the ceremony included Lil Nas X taking home the award for Outstanding Music Artist, the cast and producers of Pose accepted the award for Outstanding Drama Series, Schitt's Creek won for Outstanding Comedy Series, Booksmart took home the award for Outstanding Film, Rachel Maddow received the award for Outstanding TV Journalism, for her one-on-one -on -one interview with presidential hopeful Pete Buttigieg, and Raquel Willis won the award for Outstanding Magazine article for her article in Out Magazine, The Trans Obituaries Project. Okay, Gabe, let's break it down. How do you feel about this year's GLAAD Media Awards? I, uh, so I did miss the, the awards, but I'm gonna go look at the, uh, the recap, and I did see that it's on YouTube also. I was going through them. Some of them I was very interested. Uh, <laughs> I had some I have some thoughts about some of these uh, some of these awards. Like if you look at the outstanding film wide release, how did Booksmart beat Rocketman? I I mean, do you really <laughs> want to know? I'll tell you because Booksmart was a phenomenally better. I mean, Booksmart was Rocket Booksmart Man. was great. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, it was. And Rocketman was so pedestrian. I don't know. I, I you're not going to get me on that one. I actually <laughs> am a hundred percent behind that. I think that comedic movies often like automatically lose out to like the biopics or the drama movies just because of genre. But I actually think that Booksmart was a much better movie in my opinion. So I'm cool with that pick. <laughs> and we should say, so for all of the, for all of the shit that we gave to the Dorian Awards for <laughs> at least we can acknowledge that Glad got it right and awarded the and best drama series to Pose. I thought it was interesting that Rent, the live version, was nominated. That's a that I mean that just shows <laughs> there just wasn't enough choices, right? <laughs> I so I really like COVID year. <laughs> yeah, and I, I really like how um I really like Glad um because it does focus on media. It's not just an entertainment awards, which entertainment awards are my favorite, but Glad is sort of in its own category because it does focus on media all over the place and it's more geared toward are you accurately and fairly representing the community then are you making the best movie or are you yes um you know making the best tv show so it is a little bit of a different focus but i i, I think it's really cool um i was psyched obviously i i just hope that Shit's creek wins every award that's available to any television show and sets some kind of world record or something now i do like a lot of these uh I guess different movies and the different documentaries and stuff like that. It's kind of some of these that I kind of missed kind of like a trying to be kind of like a little movie buff, but I'm like, okay, I kind of want to go back and look and see all of these nominees. Um, I just go back and see, you know, what, what they're all about. Yeah. So one of the um, things that's really cool is the out magazine article, the trans obituaries project. Are you familiar with that? Yes. Yeah, so that, I mean, that was like a really cool piece of journalism that Raquel Willis did last year. And I mean, for anybody who's not, um, anybody who's listening who's not familiar with it, you should go check it out. Um, 
I think it's still available online from out if you just Google the Trans Obituaries Project. Mm -hmm. But she did a cover story, um, a, sort of a deep dive in one particular person, but then she had 20-something different um, trans women of color who were murdered, and we know, of course, you could just write that article every year and there would be 20 more, 30 more um, trans women of color that you could write about. But what was really cool about it, I thought, is how personal, it wasn't like a traditional so-and-so died on was born on this day and died on that day um, obituary. It was actually more of like a personal snapshot of each of these people. It sort of would, she interviewed um, the people that were closest to them and, you know, about like, how would you describe this person? Like, what's a funny thing that you remember about this person? And she had some like really humanizing um, and lovely little summaries of people. So I, I thought it was really cool and really powerful and I would encourage everybody to go check that out. And she obviously, I think, really deserved the uh, GLAD award this year. So I'm glad that they recognized her. One thing that I thought was really cool was all the uh, Spanish language, uh, different series and stuff like that that are on there that I thought was very interesting. And I was like, huh, I need to check these out. Some of these are, you know, they're mainstream uh, Spanish language networks. So that was very interesting. Yeah, well, I, I think, um, you know, the GLAD Awards, if you actually watch sort of the ceremony, they only award like eight or nine of the awards during the ceremony. The rest are just announced. But you, if you watch it, you will get to see a couple of really cool performances and you'll get to see the acceptance speeches from for the little major awards, which are basically the ones that I, I listed. So I think it's definitely worth checking out. Um, giving it a watch and glad is a really great organization so if anybody is looking for an organization to support to support the lgbt community that's an organization you should definitely um look into so glad is g-l-a-a-d um, and we'll put their web web and social media information in the show notes we also have to do a quick shout out did you see that the washington blade won an award so we have there's an article uh it's called Military reports no discharges under trans ban, but advocates have doubts. It was written by Chris Johnson for the Washington Blade, and they won an award, and they beat out the USA Today. They beat out the New York Times, uh, Dallas Morning News, and the Los Angeles Times. So congrats to the Washington Blade. It is an outstanding newspaper article. Okay. Awesome. That's really great. Um, I always like to see the DC kids do, do good, you know? Um, so besides having, um, so besides having video game noises on professional sports and seeing empty stands, what else is going on in the world of sports today? <laughs> First of all, Gabe, you're baiting me because you know, <laughs> <laughs> those video game noises make me okay first of all they're not video game noises right it sounds like laugh tracks except that they were recorded <laughs> in sporting events but nobody makes any effort to like line them up to what's actually happening in the game so like somebody strikes out and there's like a big cheer it makes no sense it's wild <laughs> Um, but my topic for the sport for sports this week uh, I wanted to talk about the new Nike ad titled you can't stop us um, Nike released a new ad this week titled You Can't Stop Us, and it is, uh, in my humble opinion, a work of art. The commercial features some cutting-edge editing. Using a split-screen format, the ad stitches together clips of athletes from every sport and every walk of life. 
The overt message of the ad is pretty obvious and simple. It shows that the tenacity of athletes and their spirit of pushing through adversity will win out in the end, and a global pandemic isn't going to stop sports. But it also has a deeper message combining a variety of athletes and showing them facing the same triumphs, the same agonies, and celebrating in the same ways. It creates a powerful message that it doesn't matter their race, gender, sexual orientation, religion, or what sport they play, everyone is equal. The ad shows the change brought about from the coronavirus pandemic and also highlights the fight for racial equality led by former NFL star Colin Kaepernick with a montage of kneeling athletes. The ad is narrated by American soccer superstar Megan Rapinoe. The voiceover tells us, quote, we're never alone and that is our strength. Because when we're doubted, we'll play as one. When we're held back, we'll go farther and harder. If we're not taken seriously, we'll prove that wrong. And if we don't fit the sport, we'll change the sport. We know things won't always go our way, but whatever it is, we'll find a way. And when things aren't fair, we'll come together for change. So Gabe, I fully recognize that a commercial isn't, always, isn't really the best conversation starter, but this one um, really impressed me. Have you seen it? I saw it and I do agree. It's pretty amazing. It was a great piece of cinematography just a great piece of art i mean the editing was great but just even the story and how it encompasses you know no matter who we are what we are religion country person whatever we're all united by sport like i it blew my mind trying to picture so first of all this is what i picture some people are in a room and some guy comes up with this idea he's like it would be so cool if we had a black guy and a white woman and they were both you know, dunking at the same time and we could line up their body parts exactly and, and show that they're both the same. And everybody in the room being like, ooh, what an awesome idea. And somewhere some like video editor was like plotting murder, right? Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just can't even imagine how many clips, how much film somebody had to go through to find images that lined up so perfectly well, for even it to come out is. this way. You know, when they had two people basically saying the same words uh, or something close to it, but just having them edited so perfectly to go in. Yeah. Uh, that I mean, was amazing. It was just, it's truly, truly like um, some kind of like best picture Oscar worthy piece of filmmaking um, and really did as Nike often does have such a cool message for a, for a commercial. Yeah, it was very interesting. Um, you know, Nike make, usually makes pretty good commercials and they get you talking and get you thinking about certain things. And this is a very, I think it's going to be a, a piece that's going to be talked about for a while. Just because there's so many emotions and so many, uh, you know, every single scene is something different where it gets you thinking about something else. It, it, it just was, it just was incredible. I really, I can't say enough about it. And, you know, for everybody who likes to sort of say that like sports isn't an important part of the culture or you know athletes are overpaid or like whatever it is like it, it's nonsense I mean sports is such a unifying force you know people play sports all over the world and it really does bring huge groups of people together for a common cause and sports are you know can be very very important as a social tool so I really love seeing Nike um, spend their ad dollars sending important messages to, about society and, and, and important subjects rather than just like 
selling the next version of Nike of like Jordan Airs <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, instead of just, you know, showing products or just showing shoes or, uh, you know, whatever they have or they're selling, you know, whatever the hottest item is, it's actually making a statement about the importance of sport, especially right now during uh, the pandemic and what's going on. Um, sports really is what's bring, you know, brings people together from all over the world, no matter your background or, you know, what you are, who you are, whatever. Um, you can get united by sports. 100%. Well, and Gabe, so this, this must be the week that I was really thinking a lot about Megan Rapino because <laughs> for my topic at the intersection of sports and queer this week, I wanted to talk about Megan Rapino's new TV show. HBO debuted its new show, Seeing America with Megan Rapino, Saturday, August 1st. A two-time Women's World Cup winner with Team USA, Rapino has made international headlines for years through a combination of her talent on the field and her dedication to activism. From kneeling during the national anthem in 2016 in support of Colin Kaepernick to her success and unyielding outspokenness throughout the 2019 Women's World Cup in France, where she was named the tournament's most outstanding performer, Rapino's ability to galvanize worldwide attention on social, economic, and political issues has transformed her into one of the country's most recognizable and admired advocates for change. Rapino's show is a conversation with Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Nicole Hannah-Jones, and acclaimed television host Hassan Minaj, talking about the challenges we face as a nation, where we are today, and where we go from here. So Gabe, did you get a chance to check out the first episode of Megan's new show? What do you think of her as a show host? I, I did, and I thought it was really interesting that they touched on the topic that, you know, what is a sports star talking, you know, why is a sports star hosting a show about modern topics or what's going on in the world today? And it was very interesting um, when they were talking about how, yeah, they have a platform and they're using their platform for good. You know, some people are just saying, you know, why are you making things political? Go dribble a ball. You know, we're paying you to go play a sport, not to make a statement. And yeah, they're allowed to use their platform to bring out, you know, different causes and kind of uh, shine light on what's going on in the world. Yeah, that's right. I, you know, that's a topic that comes up an awful lot. It's, and as they, you know, touched on, in the show, it's a topic that is um, used by figures often um, very hypocritically, right? Or on Fox News, they're going to say shut up and dribble if LeBron James wants to advocate um, on behalf of Colin Kaepernick, but then they're going to invite on their morning shows some NASCAR driver who wants to argue why he should be allowed to have his Confederate flag. So they're complete hypocrites about it, right? But at the end of the day, Every American has an absolute right to speak out about social issues and issues that they think are important. And it doesn't matter if your day job is that you play basketball or soccer, or your day job is that you're a lawyer or a teacher or a janitor or a dentist or, you know, whatever else you are, you're a citizen and you should be able to speak out about social issues. You know, it's, it's very silly. And as somebody who's an athlete who has a platform that's that large and that wide reaching, um, I think to some extent it's fair to say you even have an obligation when the issues are that important to speak out. Um, you know, as an athlete, part of the, you know, you make all this money and you get all this, these accolades and this love and it comes from fans and fans are just people who live in this country and who are impacted by all of these issues. 
And if you don't care about the issues that are impacting your fans, who are the people who are driving your success, then what kind of person are you? You know, I mean, so I think it's pretty ridiculous. Um, and I applaud Megan for always being outspoken and I and using her platform. And I would never um, second guess her. All that having been said, did you really think she was a very good host? I honestly found her a little awkward and I think a little boring. Yeah, it's it's the first episode, so I think she's getting her feet wet. Um, she speaks like a sports star, so it's kind of she was trying to get the conversations going. But I mean, when you have a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, and then you have a <laughs> Alexandria Ocasio uh, Cortez and uh, Hassan Minaj, um, it was interesting to have a you know a, a journalist, a congresswoman, and a comedian and a sports star all having the same conversation. Um, yeah, she was a little you know, working here and there, trying to get the conversation going. I think she was getting too wrapped up in her thoughts and how she was going to add into the conversation. So she wanted to say stuff, but it's your show. So you kind of have to step back a little bit and let your uh, guests speak a little bit more. You can kind of drive the conversation, but not try to take over the conversation. Yeah. So one of the things I noticed is that she would be like asking a question, but then she wouldn't stop and let the person answer. So she would, she would end up asking three questions as like a comp, one big compound question. And then the person never, you know, went back and answered the original question. So it was, you know, kind of not as good of a conversation, but my biggest, you know, and I, I get what you're saying. You're right. I mean, she's basically brought on three people who the a primary part of their job is communication. Yes. And that's not the case for her. So, you know, of course she's like a little bit out of her element with that, but I really just found her to be a little like low energy. Like I just didn't find her to be like charming enough, you know, for lack of a better word. I mean, I think if you're going to be the host and you're going to bring together these three big powerful voices and you're going to sort of be the person who grounds everybody back into this into the topic you have to you're in your own you know you have to have your own personality and you have to be able to like manage that and i felt like she was withering a little bit so i, I don't know i kind of lost her i mean we all learned from season one of drag race uh chanel taught us that you can't <laughs> ask multiple questions in an interview that's where I recently learned that. You're right. It was when she was trying to interview Tori and Dean. Yes. Yes. You learn, you know. <laughs> That's right. Megan was doing a little bit of that. It was very frustrating to me. Um, I will say this. I was actually confused from Jump about the concept of this show. Because HBO was describing it as a talk show. And they were saying, and they were describing the first episode as including the three people, AOC, Hasa Minaj, and Nicole Hannah-Jones. But watching the show, I got the very distinct impression that what it really is, is that the four of these people sat in a room over one or two or multiple sessions and recorded sort of a long conversation, and they're going to play it in chunks mm -hmm. and call them episodes, which... To me, that's not what a talk show is. Um, so I was just confused by the concept, frankly. Um, but now that I think I understand that it's really more of just like, this is going to be a group of people getting together weekly to discuss um, these issues, like issues like this. Um, I actually, I think it is a really interesting um, 
concept. And I think this group of people is an awesome mix of people to do that. So So it's those four. They're not going to change. I think so. So again, I think the way HBO has advertised this show is doing it a disservice because it's still not clear to me, but that was the impression I got Hmm. um, when I watched it. So if that's what it is, I actually think that that's a really cool concept. And these are four people that I would like, I would absolutely like to hear more from. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I would definitely. So, you know, all of what I'm saying about Megan, I don't, I'm not sure that she is a talk show host to me. And I'm not sure that I think she's the best person to moderate a panel discussion with these three powerhouses. But I still think that the show is a pretty cool concept. I think that the things that were said in that first episode were all really interesting. I really um, liked the conversation that they had relating to whether um, American society is redeemable or not, given that it was fundamentally um, based on white supremacy and stealing indigenous lands um, from the very outset. Can you even redeem a society like that? I thought that was a super interesting conversation and one that should be had more. So I give the show like the concept at least like, um, you know, a good review, and I will definitely check out the next episode. I just hope that Megan gets a little bit more in, in uh, a little bit more forceful or something. I don't know. <laughs> a little more. No, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was it was very interesting to see the different takes on uh, the topics, especially um, you know when you're talking about like hard topics like Black Lives Matter and other you know downfalls of American society and just going back into the historical aspects of basically what's going on and how this has been going on for years, but kind of taking this different aspect of like, how can we redeem ourselves? I think it was uh, Hassan who was like, oh, are we in the Wikipedia page of uh, the downfall of the United States? Or, you know, are we, are we living in the part of the, the history books that, you know, like, and then they went down and this was the downfall of society, but then they came back up. So how do we do You're that? Like, ah, we're living through it now. <laughs> this is it right now. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I think that's like a really interesting, and you know, um, Nicole Hannah-Jones, one thing that I know her for is that she, she is the person who is working on that 1619 project. I don't know if you've seen, um, seen any of it from the New York Times. They had like, um, a bunch of art, an article series and some podcasts and I'll, and it ta- and it's like about um, the beginning of slavery in America and it's really interesting and it's something that uh, you know I would definitely encourage people to check out. Oh yeah, I'm excited for the next episodes. Hopefully, uh, where everything works out with HBO. Yeah, yeah, no, um, me, you, and me both. I'll definitely um tune in it seems like i don't know how many episodes it's going to be if there's even a number set like i said i think hbo has really dropped the ball on describing this show but um you can catch the show on saturday nights at 10 p.m on hbo um well so gabe this was as always an interesting chat i appreciate you joining me to check in on what was on my mind this week Always good to uh, chat about these interesting topics that are going on. Okay, that's this week's Under the Bleachers Roundup of all things queer, things sports, and things at the intersection of sports and queer. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to share our interview with Team DC Member Club, the Atlantic States Gay Rodeo Association. And we're back, and today we have Patrick and Mike from the Atlantic States Gay Rodeo Association. 
Hi, Patrick. How's it going? Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourselves? Well, you know, keeping it going. <laughs> um, so can you uh, tell us a little bit about the Atlantic States Gay Rodeo Association? Yes. So the Atlantic States Gay Rodeo Association is an organization that is dedicated to promoting the sport of rodeo and the country western lifestyle to lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community. Awesome. So I'm a native Texan, and I know what rodeo is, but can you tell us a little bit about what actually is, uh, or, you know, what encompasses a rodeo and what events actually take place? So in a rodeo, you usually have a mix of events. You will have your speed events, you'll have your rough stock events, and you'll have your camp events. Your speed events are things like events that would take place on horseback. Your rough stock events are things that would be your steer riding, your steer wrestling, your bull riding, your bronco busting, and then camp events are events that are events that are exactly what they sound like, campy events that are to engage folks who may not have another opportunity to compete in rodeo. They might not be horse people. They might not be people who are willing to do steer riding or bull riding, but they are people who would be willing to participate in an event like goat dressing, which is trying to put a pair of underwear on a goat or events where they're based regionally. They're usually some type of race. They sometimes involve drag. They sometimes do not. Um, but they are events that are, for example, ours was the Martha Washington race. So you <laughs> had to find various treasures and treasures could range anything from a Barbie doll to a maraca to a, um, you know, a My Little Pony, Pony, and then save it by crossing the fields of Delaware or the Potomac River to get them to a safe space in the best time. Other rodeo associations had events where there was one that was a wheelbarrow drag event. So it was two teams, one person in a wheelbarrow, one person driving the wheelbarrow. And you had to wheel your partner out to a central barrel that had a variety of drag items on it, wigs, dresses, boots, uh, sash sashes, things like that. Your 
partner had to be dressed and then your partner had to get back into the wheelbarrow and you wheeled them back over the finish line in the best time. So those are examples of drag events within the International Gay Rodeo Association circuit. Um, it sounds a little bit like a much cooler version of our grade school field days, frankly. <laughs> um, but as a native New Yorker, not from Texas, I want to break this down a little bit more because I'm going to need a little bit more explanation. You said speed events involve events on horses, but what does that mean? What exactly are you doing on those horses as fast as you can? So... Examples of speed events would be things like breakaway roping, where you have a calf, you have an individual who is on horseback, you have the lasso, which is tethered to their saddle horn uh, with a piece of string, and they release the calf, the horseback rider goes after the calf, ropes it, stops their horse, and when the lasso breaks away from the saddle, then that is when time is called. Another event would be pole bending. And if you've ever seen ski slaloming, it's very similar to that. So there's a series of poles that are set up in the arena, and you have a person on horseback and they ride into arena, into the arena, and slalom through the poles, and slalom back within the best time. There is calf roping on foot, where you have an individual on foot, and a calf in a chute, and you open up the chute, the calf comes out, and the person on foot lassos the calf, let goes of their rope and the time is called you have barrel racing where you have three barrels set up in the arena and competitors on horseback need to run a cloverleaf pattern around the barrels so those are examples of uh, some of the speed events involving horses and events not involving horses. Which all seem like pretty intense uh, events. So can you talk a little bit about rodeo school and uh, how if someone really wants to get in uh, into the rodeo scene, uh, how do they get involved? Sure. So with a lot of the rodeos that take place across the IGRA circuit, there'll usually be some that have a rodeo school component to it. And a rodeo school is just like what it sounds. It's a place for you to learn how to rodeo. So they teach you how to do roping. They teach you how to do rough stock riding. If you have horses and you want to practice or learn to do some of the horse events, pole bending, barrel racing. They will set up those patterns and they will 
take you through the patterns, give you instruction, and you can learn as much as you can. So is it for um, very, very new beginners all the way up to more experienced people, or, or do you need some um, level of experience before you come, come to an Atlantic States Gay Rodeo event? You do not need to have a level of experience to come to a rodeo school or to come to an event. For the rodeo schools, they do education for people who are just wanting to get into it and have never been involved in it before, to those who have some familiarity, to those who have been competing for a while and just want to keep their skills sharp or learn something new or provide things that they have learned to other people. We do have other events besides just the rodeo. We do a horseback ride the first Sunday of every month. And that is something that anybody can come to. Novice rider, experienced rider, will give you some basic instruction. It's a very easy, slow paced ride. You know, we're not gonna make you rope anything. And that's a way for you to be involved with our organization without competing in a rodeo specifically. Very cool. Um, so Patrick, how did you get involved in rodeo? I got involved in rodeo when I moved to Washington, D.C. Um, I actually, do you want the Cliff Notes version of the story or do you want the long version of the story? Um, Cliff Notes, whatever, it's fine. You can, I don't know, it's up to you. Okay, the Cliff Notes version of the story is that prior to moving to Washington, D.C., I listened to an awful lot of country music. When I moved here, there was a bar up on Capitol Hill called Remington's. It was a country western bar, gay country western bar. And being a lover of country music, I thought, well, that seems to be the kind of bar that I would like to go to. I went to Remington's, absolutely loved it. And pretty soon I was spending five nights a week there. Thursday through Monday. Shortly after I moved to the area, probably about a month after that, the Rodeo Association was promoting the rodeo, the upcoming rodeo for that fall. And I thought that because of my love of country music and this particular association, that that might be a good way to start a social circle, make some friends, and maybe date a cowboy. So I joined the rodeo association that fall and became member of two of their committees. 
So I became a member of the Social and Entertainment Committee and the Public Relations Committee. They were just starting their new year because they did their rodeo and then shortly after that was when they started planning for the next year. And I met somebody within the organization who was a bull rider. And I thought to myself, well, that'll impress guys. What do you do in the rodeo? I ride bulls. So I asked him how he got into it. And he explained to me about rodeo schools. So I attended a few rodeo schools that year. And then that fall, I began competing myself. So Patrick, that um, that all sounds like a good bit of fun. I am curious, um, did you find a cowboy when you joined the organization or are we still looking for the cowboy? I found an awful lot of them. <laughs> Even better. I, I made... <laughs> You want the whole list or just the top 10? <laughs> we'll let you keep the names to yourself. I just want to make sure that everybody knows there's plenty of cowboys out there to be found. You know, that in finding a lot of cowboys and also cowgirls, that I found an awful lot of really good friends through the Rodeo Association, one of them being Mike Lance. Um, and also a whole host of others that I've met, some I've stayed in touch with, others that I haven't stick, kept in touch with. But that's one of the things that I really enjoy most about the Rodeo Association is just the people who you meet and the friends that you make within the association. Hi, Patrick. How important is it to you that um, you're part of a LGBT uh, rodeo association as compared to any other rodeo association across the country or even across the world? Well, it's fairly important to me because our parties tend to be better. So there's that. Um, but also... It was important to me to be part of a LGBT organization within the sport of country and within rodeo itself, because back in the day, country was really seen as a, as the anti, like everything anti to um, anything gay and lesbian. So being a part of that, being part of that, which was demonstrating that there were people who were out there who were gay or lesbian or bisexual or transgender and loved rodeo, loved country music, loved country western dancing, 
was something that was important to me to show that we're he, you know, like I used to say back in the day, we're here, we're queer, get used to it. You know, we're here, we're queer, we love country music. Um, could you tell us where you guys meet for your weekly horseback rides? And also, um, in between rodeos, are there other events that you guys tend to get together and host or participate in other than your weekly rides? So our rides are monthly versus weekly. So it's the first Sunday of every month. The rides take place at Piscataway Stables in Clinton, Maryland. So just about 20 minutes south of Washington, DC is where we meet over the course of the, typically after we have the horseback ride, there's a barbecue place in Clinton that we'll go to, Texas Ribs and Barbecue. They have an awful lot of good food. Other places that we meet over the course of the year. We'll meet in other restaurants. Sometimes we'll meet in a bar. Sometimes it may be at somebody's house. It really just depends on what we're doing, the time of year. Sometimes we also just meet online as well. All right, so if I want to join one of the uh, the rides or I want to, you know, be part of the rodeo and I don't have a horse, what do I do? So all horse and tack is provided for the horseback ride. They're all trail horses, so you don't have to worry about bringing a saddle. You don't have to worry about bringing any reins. You just have to worry about coming dressed in jeans and shirt and leather soled shoes and you can just contact us on facebook you can email us through our website and we'd be happy to have you same thing with regards to rodeo on facebook there is our page the atlantic states gay rodeo association page but there is also the International Gay Rodeo Association page as well. Atlantic States Gay Rodeo Association is to International Gay Rodeo Association as volleyball or darts is to Team DC. So International Gay Rodeo Association is kind of the overall organization for all of the state or regional rodeos and they have their own facebook page where they put up information about the rodeos and link to the other rodeo associations websites you can also visit the international gay rodeo association web page which is igra.com that's internationalgayrodeoassociation.com, igra.com. And there you'll have a list of 
rodeos for the upcoming year, as well as the different chapter organizations under International Gay Rodeo Association. Great, that's very helpful. Um, I'm pretty sure Remington's is closed, correct me if I'm wrong, but are there spots that you still um, go to in the DC area for line dancing regularly or places people can go for that? There is. The PC Rawhides was doing a bi-weekly dance and they were doing it at Secrets down in Southeast. Secrets recently closed as well. Right now, the DC Rawhides are doing virtual line dancing through Zoom while everybody is remote. So you can find more information about that if you go to the DC Rawhides website or if you go to Facebook and look up DC Rawhides, you'll find the information about how to join them through Zoom. We really enjoyed talking to you and I hope we'll get to talk to you again and hopefully next time um, Mike will be able to join us once he gets his technical difficulties uh, figured out. But before we let you go, do you want to um, just repeat your what your website address or Facebook page is if people want to find you or find more information about your organization? Certainly. So if you want to find us on the web, it's asgra.org. That's asgra.org. RA.org. You can find us on Facebook at Atlantic States Gay Rodeo Association. Or if you just type into any search engine, Atlantic States Gay Rodeo Association or Gay Rodeo Washington, D.C you should be able to find your way to us. Terrific. All right. Thanks again, Patrick. We really enjoyed it. Hope to do it again. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to this episode of Under the Bleachers. Under the Bleachers is proudly produced by and a product of Team DC. For more information about Team DC, please visit www.teamdc.org. We want to give credit to Ralph Elston, a Team DC board member, for the design of our logo. Also, our intro and outro music is provided by DC's Different Drummers Marching Band and was composed by Travis Gettinger. You can always find Under the Bleachers at underthebleachers.podbean.com and our podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast and share us with a friend so that we can all keep meeting under the bleachers. Under the Bleachers is hosted by Team DC Vice President Laura Freyer and Team DC Board Member for Fundraising Gabriel Hernandez. All views and opinions expressed are solely those of the hosts and the participants on Under the Bleachers and do not express the views of Team DC. 